Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's the God of abundance. Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. And uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have some extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And uh, like Tom was saying earlier, we're, uh, we read as a church a chapter every day, Monday through Friday. And you'll find that uh, if you read in the New Testament one chapter every day, Monday through Friday, you will have read the New Testament through in its entirety in exactly one year. Works out just perfect. And so we've done that numerous times now at the Branson Church, and I want us to do that here. And you'll find as your pastor, if this is your church, I don't ask you for a lot of things. Uh, You won't hear me asking you to do this, asking you to do this. I will ask you to do this. Read your chapter. Not for my benefit, but for yours. Don't act act like, well, that's no big deal. It's a very big deal. Uh, it's, It's sad how many Christians have never even read the New Testament through and just don't hardly know anything about the Word of God, it makes you easy to fool, easy to be deceived. Uh, it's so important. And, and uh, just like your, your body needs food on a regular basis to stay strong and healthy, your spirit needs to be fed. And, um, you know, that's one reason you ought to come to church is to get fed. And we believe you'll get a good hot meal right now. But how many physically just eat once a week? Raise your hand if you eat physically one time a week and that's all you ever do. No hands at all. Well, spiritually, how many think you ought to eat more than once a week? Well, that's how you should treat this. When you read your chapter, uh, and if uh, you haven't received a... uh, a reading card. Ushers, y'all still got some of those? Raise your hand if you want a reading card. It tells you what chapter we're reading on what day. And uh, you, also they'll have them after the service back at the information counter. We're starting Monday reading uh, Matthew 1. So this is the perfect time to start with us. And it doesn't take that long. And I assure you, if you don't have time to, to read the Word of God... Your priorities are wrong and skewed. And uh, what you what would uh, recommend you doing? Don't wait till you're tired at the end of the day. Don't give God what's left. Give Him your best. When you're fresh, when you're bright, take turn everything off. Sit down. Uh, sit down with your family, with your kids. Uh, read it out loud before you read it. Take just a moment and pray and say, Lord. We reverence your word. It's wonderful. It's life to those that find it. It's health to my flesh. We're asking you, open our eyes to see good things. Feed our spirit. Show us how to put this into practice. Minister it to us. And then take your time with no distractions and read it in faith. How many have done some of this kind of thing and can testify it will change your life? It will change your life. It'll take you to a different place. And then also as a church, we will literally be on the same page. Right? 
hearing and reading and thinking the same things, what do you think that would do for us in our unity? It's going to help us tremendously. So, uh, so please, uh, take this seriously. And uh, we've said this for years in Branson, and I want it to be so here. Everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. So I can't read on the weekend. You can read all you want on the, on the weekend. But at, at least do this. Uh, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Can you hear me okay? Book of Hebrews and the 8th chapter. Hebrews 8. We've been on the subject for a few weeks now. I want to continue in it. Phyllis is speaking to the folks in Branson this morning. And she'll be back here ready to go for Monday and all the stuff. Thank God for airplanes. And, uh, and for the blessings of the Lord. You know, it's a, I just shake my head, my head when people fight prosperity. Uh, because then they turn around and talk about what they need. <laughs> it's shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, you ought to be for God blessing you and helping you. You need it to do what He's called you to do. And you don't have to be a crook, and you don't have to lie, you don't have to steal, you don't have to do anything wrong or, or illegal to be blessed. You don't have to be ashamed of it. You know, it's not just what you got. It's how you got it. That's, that's the big deal. And when it comes the right way, you have no, no reason to be ashamed of it. No reason to hide it. Thank God the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And He adds no sorrow to it. Huh? Hebrews 8 and verse 10. So this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. From the least to the greatest. You know, the Bible tells us we got a better covenant than, than they had. Uh, established upon better promises. And one of the things that makes our covenant better is that under the old covenant, before Jesus came, there was only a handful of people that experienced anything of the presence and power of God. The prophet, the king, the, the, the judge or deliverer, but the, the, the average person in the nation of Israel, if they wanted to know something about the Lord, they had to go and inquire of the Lord through the prophet. They didn't have the anointing on them or in them. They didn't know the Lord personally. Oh, but friend, in this new covenant, every one of us born again, you don't have to come to any preacher and say, would you please inquire of the Lord for me? 
You can come boldly, you, yourself, personally, directly, to the throne of grace. You. And the Lord will hear your prayer and answer you. Not you plus 12 other people, just you. Do you believe it? And you can know Him for yourself. This is one of the greatest things you could ever learn. Somebody said out loud, I can know Him for myself. So many, even people that have grown up in church and go to church, their knowledge of God and what they believe about God has come vicariously through other people's stories and other people's testimonies and what other people have said about Him. They know the God of, they know Grandma's God and, and Pastor's God and this one or that one's God. Brother Or Roberts God, or Kenneth Hagin's God, or you know what I'm saying. So somebody, but he needs to be your God. And you need to know him for yourself, not not through somebody else. Thank God we can see him and, and be fed through these channels, but we should know him for ourselves, right? And you can. We begin, like we said a few weeks ago, talking about this. Walking with God and knowing Him. If you if you go right over to the eleventh chapter of of Hebrews, our our companion text was Hebrews eleven five. Hebrews eleven five says, "By faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had translated him. For before he his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. If you read uh, Genesis, you'll find that the way he pleased God was in what the Scripture referred to as walking with him. And we know that he walked with him by faith, and this pleased God. Verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Other scriptures said, if you'll seek the Lord with all your heart, you will find him. You will. You, you not only must believe that God exists, that there is a God, that he's real, that he's all-powerful, all-knowing. You've got to believe something about his character. And his faithfulness. You got to believe if you genuinely reach out to him and ask him to reveal himself to you that he will. That if you draw near to him, he will respond and draw near to you. Do you believe it, saints? So if you want to know him for yourself and you want to walk with him and fellowship with him and not just know about God like a uh, historical figure like Abraham Lincoln or this one or that one or, or somebody else's God. You want to know him personally and experientially. Do you believe that's possible? It is. It is. And if you have become to know him a little bit, how many understand there's a whole lot more? How to get to know him. He can become as real to you and even more real to you than any human person that you are around and in contact with day to day. And so we've been talking about how that happens. We have a part in this. What we're to do so that this takes place in our life. 
We, we said in Amos, the third chapter, you don't have to turn there, they'll put it up on the screen, but Amos 3, 3, I shared with you last time, it says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. Be, before you can walk together, you've got to get together. <laughs> right? Right? And if you're going to walk with God, you've got to get together with God, and you've got to agree with Him. Because it just so happens that He's right <laughs> about everything. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard people more than once stomp their foot and go, well, I'm just tired of Him being right all the time, talking about this person or that person or that. Well, what's that got to do with if they're right or not? If they're right, they're right. I'm just so tired of it. Well, get over it. Do you want to be right or do you want to be wrong? (laughs) Oh, this flesh. (laughs) If you want to walk with the Lord, though, we, we got into this last week some. And if you weren't with us, let me encourage you. Get online. You can download the previous lessons and... And uh, there's a lot on there, you know, from the past many years that you can get a hold of. won't cost you anything. And, of course, uh, uh, if, there, if there's no cost, there's no excuse Amen. for not knowing it. You can't say, I couldn't afford it. Right? So take advantage of it. Spend the time. Make the effort. Get this word in you. And uh, don't just take my word for something. Search it carefully. Make sure, you know... Uh, uh, make sure you find it in the scriptures and, and check me out. See if I'm quoting scriptures or just making things up. Right? Do it. Don't take anybody's word. Just swallow something without checking it out, finding it in the Bible. But uh, we saw that if we're going to walk with Him and, and get together with Him, we must find out what He loves, what He hates, what pleases Him. What displeases him, what thrills him, what grieves him. Did you know that God is a lot like us? <laughs> when you say that, people go, I don't think so, Brother Keith. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a whole lot like us, minus the sin and junk. <laughs> How can that be? Well, these chairs you're sitting on, they look a lot alike because they are a lot alike. And if I said, this chair is just like this chair, but this chair is not at all like this chair, that can't be, right? If you're made in the image and likeness of God, then he's got to be something like you. Are y'all with me, friends? If he's nothing like you, you're nothing like him. You're not made in his likeness and image. Why am I saying this? Because if you you read the scriptures, you'll find God has feelings. He has emotions. There's a lot of people that imagine God, he's sitting on the throne, old. (laughs) Long, scraggly beard. 
I mean, oh, older than dirt, literally, since he created it. Old and just emotionless, expressionless, because he's God. It's not true. I said it's not true. The Bible said God gets angry. The Bible said God rejoices. The Bible said he sings. God sings. How many would like to have a CD of God's favorites? Oh, oh, oh. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to when we get to heaven and hear the Father sing. But He is knowable. Anybody in here have people that you know in your life? Family members, friends, spouse, children. How do you know them? How, do you, how did you come to know them? Spending time with them, watching them react, listening to them. And if you really know somebody, you've seen them when they're happy. You've seen them when they're sad. You've seen them when they're rejoicing. You've seen them when they're not. You've seen them in all these things. And you get to know them. And you don't know anybody very well because you've been around them for two hours. But walking with in this application, refers to living with, being around on a continuous basis, being involved with in all the matters and things of life. Enoch walked with God. He did it by faith. He got to know God. Now, not know everything there is to know about God. We'll still be finding out amazing and wonderful things about God millions of years from now. But every, every little thing and big thing that you learn about God makes your life better. Everything. And how are you going to find out what pleases Him? What He hates. What He loves. What pleases Him. What really pleases Him. What grieves Him. What vexes Him. How are you going to find out? Your number one source is the Bible. You can be sure of this. There are so many misconceptions about God. And as a result, there is vanity. Let me me, uh, mention some things to you. The Bible refers to numerous things that people are doing that are vain. Another word for vain is worthless or useless. The Bible talks about that uh, the Scripture said, I'll just quote some and, and read some, a composite for time's sake, that people worship God in vain uh, Matthew 15.9, you can put this up. Matthew 15.9. In vain, he said, they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. This is a huge problem. Tradition has been substituted in the place of God's Word. 
And because people have grown up believing things and hearing things in church, and people have told them things about God, God's like this, God hates this, God this, God that, people have assumed because they heard it in church or because grandma told them or because this or that, that that's true, that God's that way. And so much of it is wrong. I said so much of it is wrong. I think God is the most misrepresented maligned person <laughs> there has ever been. You hear so much people say, God this and God that and God did this and God did that and God said this and God said that. And so much of it, friends, is absolutely not true. He never said it. He never did it. God, and you got, you know, children uh, being told by parents and grandparents, God wants you to do this, and God will be mad at you if you do this, and God will get you if you do that, and, and totally misrepresenting Him. That's right. Did you hear me, friends? How can you know that something is an accurate thing said about God? It's in this book. I said it's in this book. Now, the Spirit of God will minister some things to you personally, but it will always be in line with this book. Tied in with these, what he's, because the one inside you is the author of the book. And he's not going to contradict himself. I want you to begin, we've said this before, but let me say it to you again. Challenge everything you believe. Everything you believe. When you realize something and you go, yep, I believe this, I believe this all my life, why? Where is it in the Bible? Discipline yourself. Make yourself go find it. And if you can't find it, you need to question it. Is it right? Is it, is it true? Because I'm telling you, a whole lot of what people believe about God, they got it through tradition. The literal definition of tradition is something that's handed down. Hand me down information about God that was never right. But people treasure it. And just because you heard it in church doesn't make it true. I wish it did, but it would be nice. I don't know who would be qualified to do it. But it'd be helpful if every sermon had a spiritual nutrition label on it, like your food does at the grocery store. <laughs> like I said, I don't know who'd be qualified to put the label on there, but it'd be good because a whole lot of messages and a whole lot of teachings, if it was accurate, you'd read the side, the, the, the label on the CD or the, the series set, and it would say... Contents. <laughs> Tradition, 80%. <laughs> Opinion, 10%. <laughs> Useless filler, 5%. <laughs> remaining 5%, I'm not keeping up with the count, but... <laughs> Pure unbelief. <laughs> well, see, that won't feed your spirit. 
It won't. It'll, it might feed your soul. You might get hyped up. You might get excited. You might cry. But it won't feed your spirit. The Bible talks about being nourished up in the words of faith. The Word of God that's that spoken under the anointing and received in faith goes past your mind, goes into your spirit, into your insides. It feeds you. It nourishes you. It feeds your faith. It makes you strong. And if you do this on a regular basis, day after day and year after year, you begin to find out what he's really like. You begin to find out what really does please him and what really does grieve him. And the more you get to know him, the harder you are to fool. Hmm? You know, being in the ministry and having different arms of ministry. You know, sometimes people think that God is, is as obscure and indefinite to everybody as they are to them. And so they'll come and try to say stuff. God told me this, and God told me to do this with you, and God told me for you to do this for me, and God told me to do this or that, and, and uh, I just feel led that you should. <laughs> oh, we've heard it scores of times, friends. <laughs> and, and I guess people think that, that God is as is, is obscure and, and unreal to you as, as to them. And, uh, but when you know him and when you're communing with him on a regular basis, you just don't fall for all that. You say, well, you know, if the Lord's told you to do something, I recommend you do it. But I hadn't heard anything about this. You know? And uh, we're not to be led by needs. We're not to be led by pressure. We're not to be led by opportunities. We're not to be led by any number of things. We're to be led by the Spirit of God. And you got to get to know him. There's no substitute for it. How about we get into some more things about knowing him today? We don't want vain worship. We don't want vain religion, vain prayer, vain faith. I'm quoting scriptures on every one of those. Vain. It means it's a waste of time. Is it true that a lot of Christians are doing a lot of stuff that's just a total waste of time? It's true. I don't want to do that. How about you? Why do it? If it's, if it's not pleasing God, if He doesn't want me to do it, if, he, if it doesn't, uh, it's not His will and His plan, why, why would I be doing it? Because it's a, it's a tradition handed down from previous generations? Famous last words of dying churches are, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> we've always done it like this. <laughs> always is a big word. Hmm? It actually started recently, even if it was a hundred years ago. Let me tell you about always. God has always been around. <laughs> and what he has said and what he has done has always been good and always been right. Do you want to know him? Yes. Said, t- tell it to him. Say it out loud. Lord, I want to know you better than I do now. Open my eyes to see you. My ears to hear you. My understanding 
to comprehend, to discern you. I want to know what you love. I want to know what you hate. I want to know what pleases you. I want to know what grieves you. I want to know you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You believe that's His will? Well, then you can count on Him answering that then. He said if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petition that we desired of Him. If, uh, if you walk with Him, you've got to agree with Him. Before you can walk with Him, you've got to get with Him. We looked last time at a few things that he hates and a few things that he loves. I'll review it just real quickly. Don't turn there. But in Proverbs 6, 16 through 17 or so, it said God hates uh, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among the brothers. And we saw a couple of things that God loves. The Scripture says the righteous Lord, righteous God, He loves righteousness. Don't let that King James word throw you. Take the yus out, and it's just rightness. And the Bible said, that was Psalm eleven seven. the righteous Lord loves righteousness. Psalm 33, 5 says, He loves righteousness and judgment. Turn to Deuteronomy 32. Well, no, don't turn there. Just put it up on the screen for us. Deuteronomy 32, 4, New Living Testament. If we can find that, please. Deuteronomy 32, 4, New Living. It's talking about God said, He is the rock. Did you know that's true? His deeds are perfect. Everything He does is just and fair. You believe that? Don't you say that out loud. Everything He does is just and fair. Said he's a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. God, we've seen this already. What's God really like? Let's strip away the junk. Let's strip away the hand-me-down stuff that people were wrong about generations ago when they started it. What's he really like? He is a just God. He is fair. And He loves fairness. And He loves what's right. This is Him. He detests what is not fair. You need to make up your mind. This will be an anchor to your soul if you do. Never to question His fairness. If you don't get this settled in you, it'll make you subject to all kind of problems in your life. This, you need to get this settled once and for all. The Bible says this, it's not just one time, but all through the Word of God, talking about how just, how righteous, how fair God is. 
God has never wronged anybody. Treated them unfairly. Treated them unjustly. Never. He's never done it and He never will. We, we can ask God questions. That's fine. But you should never ask it accusatively. What do you mean? Oh, there have been far too many people that shake a fist and go, Why, God? Why? Why? That's not just asking a question. What is in that tone? Hmm? It's accusative. Even if they don't say it, what's going on? They're saying, God, some people, some people do say it. God, this is not fair. They're not just saying this is not fair. People, somebody, I've had people ask me, how's life treating you? Why even ask that? <laughs> life is not fair. Life is a mess. How's life treating you? <laughs> the world is a mess. The world treating you good? Huh? Forget that. But how's God treating you? Always. Always. Just, fair, good, merciful. This will get you through some of the toughest places in life. We're talking about what God's like. Don't let this be too simple for you. This is a big part of what God's like. What's He like? He's just. Let me read that to you again. Deuteronomy 32, 4. New living. What's God like? He's not just a rock. He's the rock. <laughs> what, what about the rock? The rock that doesn't move, doesn't change, doesn't crack. Somebody say, He's the rock. And His deeds are what? Deeds are his doings. What he does is perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. I want you to say that out loud two or three times. Everything he does is just and fair. Say it again. Everything he does is just and fair. Everything. 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 Now, if it looks to you like he didn't do something he should have done, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just something wrong with the way you're looking. If it looks like God shouldn't have allowed this, he should have done this, he shouldn't have done this, that's just not fair, God. You've got to make up your mind, friend, about this, or elsewise be unstable the rest of your life. I remember one of the first times Phyllis and I learned about faith. We, uh, we hadn't been married just a few months. Young, young, young in every way. And we got a hold of some teaching about believing that you receive and that God would prosper you and help you. And we thought, man, that's some of the best things we ever heard. We needed everything. And one thing we really needed was a car. Our, our cars were junk, and so we, we thought, we'll believe for a car. We heard about the prayer of agreement. Two of you agree is asking anything, touch anything you ask, it'll be done for you. 
So we thought, we're going to ask for a car. We're going to believe we receive a car. And so we got to looking around and thought, well, you know, God's a big God. He could give us a good car. And then when we thought about it, we thought, well, hey, God's a great big God. Why couldn't he give us a new car? Then we thought, hey, God's a real big God. Why couldn't he give us a very nice, super nice new car? And so we went out to the dealerships and looked around. And this was some years back. And we saw a Buick Riviera. Man, this thing had everything on it, you know. And we thought, oh, yeah, that'll do. Right there. This is back years ago. So we went home and we claimed us a Buick Riviera. And I had heard some other people do this. So we, we said, Lord, we, we ask you for this. We believe we receive it. And we just believe we receive it in 30 days. Because I had heard somebody else do that. And I thought, you know, that's, that's, that's plenty long enough for God to work. I mean, he's God. I mean, how long would he need? <laughs> what are you laughing about? You really? <laughs> and so we talked, we were excited about it. And we thanked God for it. And thanked God every day. We get up and go to work and come back. Get up and go to work and come back. And a week passed. Another week passed. Another week passed. It's the last week of our, our 30 days. And... Uh, uh, no sign of anything, but we're still excited. And, and so last day, we're still excited. And, and boy, that last day, every call, I'd jump and go, that could be it, you know. <laughs> Everybody says, I want, Keith, I want to see Keith. I go, oh, okay, that could be it. Wasn't it. And check the mail. No, that wasn't it. So all day at work, nothing. We talked to each other on the phone. And anything happened with you? No, not yet. No, not yet. We come back home, and it's... Uh, Eight o'clock at night and ten o'clock at night and not much time left, but hey, this day's not over and eleven o'clock, eleven forty five, twelve o'clock, twelve oh one. We thought, hmm, twelve thirty, twelve forty five, and our feathers fail. Do you do you know what I mean by that? Or we thought, hmm. No car, no prospect, no sign of anything. But thank God we had enough sense, by the mercy of God, to not blame God. Come on, are you listening to me, friends? We just looked at each other and said, well, you know, maybe there's something we didn't do right here. And so we went to bed and got up and went to work. And, and days passed and months passed. And, and in process of time after that, the Lord led us to go to Ramah Bible Training Center, Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And I was in school and I'm hearing him teach on faith and others teach on faith. And, and months into it, I, began to, I was reminded of that situation. I thought, well, uh, one day in prayer, we had prayer school. I said, Lord... Everything I'm learning about faith, it sounds like still that we were in faith about that car. And if it didn't work, so obviously it wasn't, so you need to help me on this. I'm confused. Uh, uh, Obviously we weren't in in faith, but everything they're saying about faith, it sounds like we were. And I don't know what faith is then. Help me. 
And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, like he'll speak to every Christian if you learn how to listen. He said, you were in faith. I thought we were. He said, in fact, you're doing quite well for where you were, as young as you were. Of course, can you imagine what my next question is? Where's the car? I mean, if we were doing so good, where's the car? He said, son, you were doing well, doing fine, until 12.01. You let a little mechanism with springs and hands click a few times and decided my word wasn't true anymore. See, he never told me or any of us to set that kind of time frame or timeline. I thought, oh. <laughs> we were in faith. We were in faith. And we quit. You know, believing God for a house, like a house of fire for two days, five days, Ten days, a month, and in quitting, you get the same results as if you hadn't believed God at all. Amen. You got to believe God and stay with it. Amen. Through faith and patience, perseverance, you inherit the promises. You got to stay, as long as it takes, you got to stay with it. Stay with it. So I'm laying there on the floor in prayer school, kicking myself, thinking, dummy, dummy. You could have, you needed that car. You still do. And, and then the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, it's not too late. Amen. I thought, huh? Amen. He said, it's not too late. Go back and pick it up. I thought, can you do that? Go back and pick it up. Well, why not? God's word's eternal. It doesn't change. It didn't go anywhere. Just because you went somewhere didn't mean God went anywhere. He said, you, he said, do you remember how excited you and she were during that time? I thought, oh yeah, never forget it. He said, well, just go back, pick it up, begin to be excited again. This time, don't quit. Don't stop until you see it come to pass. Man, I was excited. I couldn't wait to get home, talk to Phyllis. I said, guess what? The Lord spoke to my heart today. I said, do you remember when we were believing for that, that Buick Riviera? She said, oh yeah. I said, the Lord told me, let's go back and pick it up. She said, can you do that? I said, that's what I said. Can you do that? Yeah, we can. And I explained to her what the Lord put in my heart. She got excited. I got excited. We stood up. We repented to the Lord for quitting and stopping believing. And we got back in faith. We began to thank Him again. And we said, this time, we're not stopping. So we were excited for the rest of the week. And the next week... And the next month, and three months, and six months, and a year, and a year and six months, and two years. See, this is what separates the men from the boys and the girls from the women in believing God. And, uh, well, you know, after two years, you're not thinking of it all day, every day. But when you do think of it, we thank God for it. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. 
Phyllis calls. She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, this certain business, businessman said he wanted to come by the office today and sell me. I said, yeah. He said, the Lord put it on his heart to buy us a car. I said, is that right? I said, yeah. He said, whatever can you want? Whatever can we want? Yeah. I said, well, honey, get your pocketbook. Let's go. Let's go to the dealership. So we went. And by that time, we had said, we don't want to limit it to one specific kind. Of course, you know, years have passed. And we're just believing for the right one. And we went to this dealership and that dealership and this dealership. And we, we came by. Uh, and guess what we saw sitting on the floor? It was wintertime. There was snow on the ground. It was a brand new Buick Riviera. Had everything on it. Man, it was just, it really caught Phyllis's eye. And it had sold on the windshield. Well, we told the guy, well, you know, if something happens, if the sale doesn't go through, you know, call us. We left the number. He called that evening. And the next day, we drove that car out of the showroom floor onto the snow-packed road. Never made a payment on it. Come on, are you listening to me? Let me, let me stop here, though. What if, you, what if that night, at the end of the 30 days... We had said, God, we did what you told us to do. Where are you? This doesn't work. I don't care what they say. This doesn't work. It's not God's will for everybody and all this kind of stuff. See, that is more than just some ignorance and confusing. That is a direct questioning of the character of God. Of what kind of God he is. It's accusing him of being unfaithful. It's accusing him of being unfair. And that's unacceptable. I said that's, that's unacceptable. You can ask him a lot of things. But don't accuse him of being unfair. That's not okay. I know. Uh, you got time for another story or two? Hey you got up. Combed your hair and came out, drove. You might as well stay here and get something, right? We don't have service in the evening, so. I mean, we could stay here to what? Don't get scared. Don't get scared. People go, oh. I began to get a hold of some things about healing, that it was the will of God for us to be healed. And this was back in the 70s. And, uh, just barely beginning to get a hold of something. Found out Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28 talks about every sickness and disease known to man and those that have haven't been discovered yet are all part of the curse of the law and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He was, well, if that's true, why isn't everybody healed? Well, has the Lord borne the sins of the whole world? Why isn't everybody saved? It's not all up to him. Provision has been made. But what's been provided by grace must be received and possessed by faith. But uh, an uncle of mine uh, down on the, the coast, the state where we were, a few hundred miles away, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. 
and had just become bedfast. And, and I just got a hold of some of these things, and I thought, well, man, he needs to know this. So I began sending him materials and sending him, back. we didn't have CDs back then, but sending him the tapes and, and those kind of things, and, uh, and, and was able to visit him a couple of times. He's some distance away, but uh, he is pitiful shape, skin and bone. Had not been able to work for a long time or do much of anything. Doctors gave him no hope. Cancer, both lungs, cancer all over his body. And uh, I began to share with him the Word of God. Jesus took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. With long life, I'll satisfy you. Show you my salvation. He wasn't that old. And uh, first few months didn't seem like it was registered on him too much, but... I came a second visit, and I shared some of the things and prayed for him, and I I came back out of the bedroom. I was in the kitchen with his family. They're crying, thank you for coming, you know, trying to comfort him. I wasn't trying to comfort him. I was trying to get faith in him so he could live and not die. And we look up, and he's standing in the doorway, leaning up against the side of the, 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 the door sill. And he said, I I mean, he hadn't been out of bed for some time. He said, I'm going to live and not die. (laughs) His family cried and they said, it's affecting his mind. It's not affecting his mind. This is the best thing that could have happened. (laughs) And and I, I rejoiced. Even though they were crying. I rejoiced, and he was rejoicing. He was so weak, he could barely stand up. His knees were dry. I mean, skin and bone. Just a few weeks later, they're telling me, he's put on 20 pounds. He completely recovered. Complete. He came all the way back and went back to work. And lived for years. Now tell me that ain't God. It's got to be God. All things are possible to him that believes. Well, a few years later, another uncle on the other side of the family, very similar situation, smoked all his life, had cancer of the lungs. And uh, I thought, well, man, we've done this before. Oh, yeah. I know what. And I went in with much greater enthusiasm than the first time because we've, we've seen what God would do in this exact situation. And this guy was closer by. He was just a few miles away from where I lived. And, and we had more materials by then. And, and so, man, I sent materials to him and I came by. And, and I could tell they didn't act like they were happy to see me come. They, they went to a different church than we believed, and they didn't necessarily, well, they didn't believe in, in all the stuff that we do. And, and, uh, but anyhow, he, he loved me. We're, we're kinfolks, and, 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 and I'd say, okay, if I pray for you, oh, yeah, I want you to pray for me. And, and he'd say the confession, and, and he'd pray the prayer, and he got worse and worse and worse and worse and died. Now, here's where your faith is tried. Are y'all with me, friends? 
People say, well, see, that's how it is. It's, it's not always God's will. Said who? Just because something happens, that doesn't prove it was God's will. How do we find the will of God? In this book. And this is true no matter what you or anybody else does or does not experience. But what is, what's the issue right now? Faith in God is faith in the person of God. And what are we talking about? What, what's he like? Put that scripture back up, please. Deuteronomy what, 32, 4, New Living. Everything he does is what? Just and fair. Say it out loud. Everything he does is just and fair. See, people will say, well, God... You healed that guy over there. Why would you heal him? We did the same thing. We prayed the same prayers. Well, I went to the funeral. I wasn't happy about it. But thank God had enough sense not to accuse God. Why does it have to be God's fault? Why can't we say we could have done something wrong? Why can't you come back, look in the mirror and go, maybe we missed it somewhere. So, I was standing around with uh, actually his daughter. And we, she and I had talked a little bit. And then I was turning facing somebody else. And somebody else came up. And she began to tell them. And I wasn't trying to, to listen. But she just talking loud enough. Everybody heard it. And, and uh about how, and I, I knew it was on a specific day that I had gone and prayed with him and led him in some confessions and gave him some materials. And she described, I didn't know it, but as soon as I left the house, he called her in and told her what songs he wanted sung at his funeral and all the preparation. Is he believing to live? No. But see, I didn't hear that. I didn't know that. He's talking, when I'm with him, he's talking, yeah, let's, let's believe God and be healed. And... See, the, the issue is there is so much we don't know about what has happened before now in a person's life, about what they're really believing and what's really going on. But I can tell you this, God is fair and God is faithful. And this will get you through some of the roughest places that there are in life. This will be an anchor to your soul. No matter what happens or what doesn't happen. You look up, even if it's through your tears, even if it, I mean, we got emotions, we got feelings, and some things can really touch you. But in the, the roughest, toughest, hardest times, let me tell you how to come through. You look up. Even through your tears and you say, God, I don't understand all of this. And I don't know why this happened and why this didn't happen. But I know this. You are a good God. You have never let me down. You have never let anybody down. And you never will let anybody down. And you are perfectly just and perfectly good and perfectly fair in everything you have ever done. And I trust you. In life, in death, I trust you. I trust you. And I'm holding on to you. 
I'm convinced of this. I've already seen glimpses of this in this life. And I'm convinced of this for after this life. I think for the first several centuries, <laughs> after we get out of this body and we're with the Lord, that just on regular occasions we're going to go, Oh! <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure, no wonder. Oh, okay, I see that now. But right now, we see through a glass very darkly. We're looking at everything like this. Little glimpses. We know so little. And after we, the blinders come off and we see things as they really were, we're going to see. In cases concerning us, our family, our friends, everybody around us, God was more merciful than we'd have asked Him to be. Do you believe this? We're going to find out. When we see behind the curtain and we see what really happened, we're going to see. We're going to think, well, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I, I didn't know that you had done that for 40 years before it got to this. I didn't know that they did that. I didn't know. Yeah, there's all kind of things you don't know, but you can know this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What can you know? God is just. God is fair. Everything He does is right and good. He's faithful. He's never let anybody down. Never. And He never will. Do you believe it, saints? Stand on your feet, everybody.